Hi, my name is Raul Rodas, and welcome to the Coffee Paradigm Podcast. So, hello guys, Raul here from Guatemala. So, this episode is um, an interesting subject that we we're touching base with Stephen Leighton from Haspain. Uh, and uh, we discussed a couple of things in between competitions and how everything has changed. And um, a little bit of about, you know, just overall how COVID has, you know, affected us a little bit, but how we're going to get through this. So um, really, really enjoy this. Uh, please let me know your comments. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's uh, really incredible how everything's going to be well and support each other and um, order online locally. Please go to haspin.com and order coffee online. Uh, and, and if you can't, that's on the UK, buy directly to your local roaster and this is a really great support for each one of us in the roaster business and the coffee business um so you can help out and we can stay longer and longer and able for us to help our baristas our roasteries our staff and of course our producers as well for next upcoming years so enjoy So, hello! Welcome, guys. This is a new episode from Coffee Paradigm Podcast. Um, I'm Raul Rodas from Guatemala, and uh, this is a barista at Origin, and I have my one of my dearest friends, a uh, person that I admire a lot, uh, not just in coffee, but also in real life. And um, a really, really good friend from Haspin Coffee, Mr. Stephen Layton. Hola, buenos dias. ¿Cómo está? Pollo Campero. Sí, gracias. <laughs> hey, I'm how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So right now, uh, just so people know that we're listening, I'm in Guatemala, and we're at home because we're in lockdown, and you're in Stafford right now. Yeah. Um, also in lockdown, um, and haven't I? I arrived back from Central America um three and a half weeks ago uh, and i i've only been out of the house since then to fetch uh groceries and things and spent the rest of the time talking to my computer on zoom calls like this and um trying to work out the craziness of the impact of covid on coffee consumption on the impact on our uh i'm partnering and is it 10 I think it's 10 different cafes all across the world um, uh, with nine of them closed down uh, so yeah it's uh, it's been a, a fairly hectic time uh, since I last saw you so I know everything everything's crazy so just you know for people to listen probably a lot of people uh, don't know you or they know you because everybody of knows me I mean I know Hello, and welcome to the world barista championships 2020 oh, <laughs> I'd like to give it up to Davinci the Gourmet. They, they don't know that, right? <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. And if you don't know him, probably you'll hear him and, and close your eyes and imagine someone with a red suit. And that will be yeah. it. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm actually quite impressed that we both matched up in the red today as well. You and your oh, has-been t-shirt. It's a and, uh, t-shirt, yes. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, uh, yeah, so I, I'm a uh, founder, 
and uh, one of the owners of Has Been Coffee in Stafford, which is mainly an online platform for selling coffee uh, with some wholesale accounts as well. Um, I uh, joined forces with, a, with a, a group of people called Ozone Coffee last year. Nice. So I'm now also a partner in Ozone Coffee, which originated in New Zealand. Uh, but also has a cafe and wholesale presence in the UK. Um, also in 2010, I went into business with Colin Harmon. Um, uh, the caricature guy, like the guy that has a caricature. Yeah, yeah. Like the cartoon. Yes, yeah, no, and, and, and I mean, me and Colin have been friends since 2009 and at the very beginning really of his coffee journey. Uh, and we set up 3FE Coffee together, with which I'm still uh, still involved as a, one of the partners. Um, and then also uh, five years ago, uh, I became partner in Drop Coffee uh, in Sweden with Joanna Alm, uh, which has a cafe and online and wholesale presence as well. Um, and uh, not only did I end up buying a cafe and a roastery there, but I, uh, I also, Joanna's also my partner in life, and we got engaged uh, a few weeks ago when we were in El Salvador, actually. <laughs> El Salvador is the place, too. It's much better than Guatemala. Oh, um, I mean, yeah, I bet that. That was because you were locked down out of the country. We'll, we'll exactly. get that Sorry. Uh, no, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm also partnering there. Um, so yes, uh, lots of, lots of different uh, coffee businesses. I see coffee roasteries like Pokemon, and you've really just got to catch them all. Uh, just yeah. get as many as you can. But nice. in these times, that's your purpose uh, in life. Yeah. <laughs> in these that's times, cool. it's it's meant that extremely exposed to probably the whole, one of the hardest hit um, areas of the economy. Um, of you know. Uh, when, you, when you're in lockdown, there's not a great need for hospitality um, and uh, cafes. So it, it's been, yeah, particularly interesting time. Uh, and then also just on top of that, I've, I've done Tampa Tantrum, uh, which was a, a podcast. We actually invented podcasting back in 2010. Um, uh, and then uh, also um, I uh, AMC, uh, the World Barista Championships most years uh, when they'll have me. Uh, haven't missed one since. Um, uh, I, I, I kind of gave the prize to some dude in 2011 as my first final, um, and then. Because of Bogota, yeah. No, no, I didn't do Bogota. You were doing Bogota. My first well, MC was actually, was actually yeah. Vienna in uh, uh, 2012. Sorry, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah 2012. Um, and uh, I, you don't ever remember this, but I actually gave you your trophy. No, um, I do. I mean, from the videos, but. <laughs> There's like short clips of your life and you know when you're doing a championship they just don't forget stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean you had so much going on that, 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 that I mean I remember your your uh, kind of chaos of winning the WBC is one of the, the stories I remember the most with your stuff not arriving and um, yeah, you know, just it was it was just craziness. Um, but again, El Salvador beat you to it in 2011 by uh, by getting it before Guatemala. It seems to be always yeah. that way, doesn't it? Well, you were roasting the coffee from uh, for Alejandro, right? Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I gave him a head start, helped him out. No, I mean, it's fine. So, I mean, <laughs> I know that- You so never like, asked me for yours, you see. You, you never asked me if I'd get involved, so. To every listener, I mean, 
you have to really listen to the sarcastic tone and all of the conversation through all of this podcast. Yes. <laughs> oh, so, so yeah, me, me and Raúl, uh, since that, since that Vienna, actually, I think we become really good friends. And I see my main purpose in this relationship is to abuse you. Um, right. And yeah, yeah, and and that's pretty much how it goes. And my purpose is to feel that you know, make feel that Stephen abused me in the, and you know, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. But you did go you did go to sleep at night crying because you're so upset. <sighs> well, just a little bit, but I mean when I see your face and I just you know, try to give you a hard time every time that I can. <laughs> um, one of the things that I, I now that you mentioned competition, it was uh going back to a lot of things everyone's you know going back in time. Um you were one of the few well, I don't know if you or not, but one of the persons that that you tasted my espresso when I was calibrating. I think it was for finals or for semifinals because no one could get in and try taste espressos. Yeah. And uh, I remember, yeah, you, you were a couple of ones that you tasted and I was like, oh, nice. It's better than some of the coffees that I bought. So I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's Guatemala. So. No, I mean, I think um, <laughs> I, 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 that's one of the bonuses of doing all of the MC. Like, you know, listen, it's great being on stage and I love the, the power of having that audience in your hand of like bringing them along to find out who's won because the tension, you know, gets bigger yeah. and bigger and you control it. But for me, what I really love is being backstage. And I, I, my first ever backstage experience, I, I've seen a few WBC, 2006 was the first one I went to. Um, I, I didn't do 2007 because it was in Japan and I just, I just couldn't get there. But yeah. 2008 I did. The first real experience of backstage was 2009 with Colin in Atlanta. And I just absolutely loved every second of being part of uh, Colin's coaching team uh, backstage. It was just phenomenal. It was really exciting. And I got to meet really cool people like you um, and, and, and lots of other people. And, and it, that was what kind of really grabbed me um, to, to kind of be more involved in competition. I mean, I, I roasted for James Hoffman in 2006 in Bern, and I roasted for, I think second, was it, was it, we did somebody in um, uh, well, Copenhagen. Um, yeah. and it was like 2009 was the first time I really kind of got into that whole competition uh, cycle. Um, uh, of working with lots of people. And, and you know, we've had a lot of coffees in, in the WBC over the years, um, purely because I'm just like a competition, being backstage, being part of yeah. the team. Um, and and uh, 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 what's his name? Um, uh, Rico Bolanus. Uh, I remember him saying about how a barista is like the Formula One driver. You know, they sit in the car, but you can't ask them to fix a car because they've got no yeah, idea. Exactly. And you need that team to change the tires, you know, keep yeah. the engine running, uh, find the fuel, and, and and you know that that's that's kind of how I, I could never compete. But well, I've competed in Brewers Cup a few times and normally fell flat on my face because I'm always trying to prove the judges wrong, which is not a good way of getting points on a score sheet. Yeah, like I, I couldn't compete in like WBC. That's not my skill set. So. What I bring along is ideas and routines, you know, and, and but mainly the coffee. You know, that, that's my job is to find something that's going to be interesting. And you also were involved with Dale as well. In yes. like, yeah, yeah, no, so, so I mean, Dale, 
I remember a month before we, so the way the competitions worked that year, that the, the finals were quite quickly after the you know, UK finals. <clears throat> and I remember me and Dale the day after he'd won the UK, which, you know, we, we'd been through 10, 10 years of competition at that point. Uh, we'd been second in the UK's yeah. five times. It, it, you know, it was ridiculous. Um, and we got back and we were like, right, we're going to the Worlds and I said, right, I've got this coffee and I know what you want, you know. And he went, whoa, 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 no, no I don't want to take that. I want, I want to do something else. And I just went, what? What? And, and literally probably had our first fight. Like the, yeah. after 10 years of working together, we had this like, it, it, was, it was really, and Pete um, um, uh Pete, um, what was his surname? Oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, Pete Williams. You've seen Pete Williams. Pete Williams. Sorry, yeah, it's coming. So Pete was Dale's coach, um, and like we, I mean, we we has been employed Pete for three months to be Dale's coach. So we basically put him on the payroll for three months. And, and listen, it was made straight because me and Pete go back a long way. But like we employed him for three months just to be Dale's coach, and uh, Peachy was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Dale, what, what are you doing? Like, Steve's a coffee guy. Like, let, like he's done this before. Let him do it." Yeah. And it kind of like brought it all back. So yeah, he fairly heavily involved with Dale, and just in over the last ten years, and you know, he's he's one of my best friends, and um, you know, like we had a dream. I I remember when I first when we had our interview i would met him a couple of times before but when I, I interviewed him for the job at has been and um, I promised him I'd get into the worlds I said to him like you know you can work oh, really? here we'll get you to the worlds but like nine years later I was like <laughs> <laughs> Some, someday I mean yeah. and that's because you have a pretty face but that's it yeah you know you know that promise Dale like could, could we maybe you know <laughs> buy you a new coat or something or <laughs> that's like Competition's expensive, you know, like 10 years of competition, air braiding, coffee out sometimes, doing crazy experiments. Like one of my favorite routines ever in a barista competition was, we spent 12 months with a producer feeding foliar sprays to trees and not feeding foliar sprays to trees. And like we did the whole presentation about, this is what the coffee tasted like before, but this is what it tastes like now and got me so excited as a coffee guy and he came second and he's just like oh that's the so whole thing and, the, and that's what i hate about competition i mean there's a lot of things that i hate about competition but that's one of the things that i you know it's kind of like you enjoy but you hate at the same time and it drives you crazy to go again and again and again and it's like well, like sick drinks I, I i i drinks are something that i hate like i hate signature drinks they yeah. suck so yeah. much but I remember falling in love with a sick drink and it was in London and it was Collins where he said so let's let's go back to 2010 it's like 10 years ago yeah okay nobody was talking about water no, nobody no, mentioned no. water one little bit and Colin went look if you extract coffee with hard water and soft water they you taste really different yeah. <laughs> and now you look at it and you'd laugh you go well of course they do but back I mean, then it was a it, it was the kind of thing that made me going to go Wow, and I remember in that final, uh, which obviously you were in, um, that, that final, he got a six free sig drink from one judge and a two free sig drink from another judge. Yeah. You know, like, th th it was one of those- It was a game changer. Like, yeah. it was a really game changer. I mean, for me, Colin, uh, to be honest, is the world versus the champion. Yeah. P 
period. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't need like a trophy for that. Like he's he's done like so many game changer things and how to you know, and that's why you know three of fee and and all you know. But no, I mean I like listen. I, 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 I we those years where we were doing that competition thing together and like like Colin is the the perfect example of a barista that you know talks about the team. You know, like he ne he never like he would just say. He'd win, you know, win the Irish one, then he just turned and said, "So what we do next?" You know, there was no, and Colin never had any input at all into choose this coffee. I was like, "Okay, I think this is perfect." Probably why he's never won because he let me. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking about yeah, it. Now that I'm thinking it, <laughs> yeah. But he, he, he was like, "Listen, you know, you know more about sourcing green coffee and roasting it than I ever do." Like, I make it go wet, I make it into a drink, you make it go brown, you make it into something I can work with. Um, and and we, we had some real fun times with that stuff. Like, uh, Australia was particular fun. Um, Atlanta and London, uh, London, actually, no, London wasn't fun. London sucked. Um, London was, was, was really hard because we worked so hard on that one. And, and to get those different scores on the drinks, but, um, yeah, and then he took a year off in 2011 and I was really frustrated because I wanted us to carry on and I wanted us to go. I actually owned a website for about three years that was called IsColinHarmonGoingToBogatar.com What? Yeah, so I owned this website for three, four years. And basically when you typed it in, IsColinHarmonGoingToBogatar.com, it just said no. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the only way I could take out my frustration and anger that Colin wasn't going to Bogota, but I think, um, the, I mean, yeah, the, you know, the Australia one was was fantastic. Like, I, but that, to be that honest, competition for me just was going, like, going into the you know, different things, and I'm just thinking about them. Like, I mean, I think that overall, since I, I was involved in competition, was that was 2006 7. Um, that was a typical guy that I was looking into, Stephen Morrissey, carrying on the shaker from James Hoffman in Tokyo. Um, you know, but and then going into all of these competitions, it was all about rule breaking or bending, rule bending. And, and the, you know, for calling the water was like oh, superb. And, you, you know, Mike and everyone was doing like different things because I think the judges weren't ready. There was a lot to explore. And I mean, there still is, but. I think the competition was that it was like every year was something new and something different and it was exciting and it was like oh my god now you know who's gonna bend more of the rules i don't know if it's the same anymore uh not that it's bad i think what changed and, and i and i physically saw it change in australia after australia was it came about how much money you could spend whereas before that you could actually you could do it on a budget you could because there was a, there was so much opportunity to do new things, and 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 I think what happened after that that it really came it became about how much resource you could throw at it. So how many people you could have in your team, you know, and and it also I kind of blame you and Alejandro a little bit for this, but it became about baristas going to Origin and becoming coffee farmers. Like, you know, it's like I can think of nothing worse than a barista going to a farm to process and sort the coffee that they want for their competition. It, it, it's like sending the mechanic, the, the, sorry, the Formula One driver to go find some petrol. 
yeah to the car like what qualifies him to do that but and yeah it's like, how annoying for the petrol people when the barista turns up and says um so uh i, I know you've been doing this for like three generations but i, I know better um so i'm gonna do i drive the car and when yeah when i accelerate i feel the fuel going in through my toes and you know, it's just like, yeah. No, I agree that, with you. That for me, after Australia, was where that changed. Like that's where it started to become about uh, sourcing. And I think it was the influence of you two guys uh, winning in an origin country was like, oh, okay. I mean, so they're getting copies that are better than everybody else's. I'm going to have to go and do that then. But I mean, which, but it's the same thing about roasting. What you were saying before, like. For me, I believe like, I mean, I can, so as a barista and I have to be an ambassador or a barista champion and competing, you have to know all of these things, but that doesn't mean that you have to do it all because it's, it's impossible to be perfect in everything. Or not perfect, yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's a one driver. He knows how a combustion engine works. He knows that yeah. his tires are going and he needs to go for a pit stop and change the tires because the grip's not there. He doesn't need to know how the rubber is vulcanized to make that tire, you know? <laughs> yeah, he needs to tell the team like, hey, my tires, like that doesn't work for me. Like we need to change this and adjust for me to get more comfortable. Yeah. But, and I agree with you, like everybody like right now, it's like they want to do everything. I, I roast the coffee, I choose it, I farm it. I actually use my poop to put them into an organic soil <laughs> and, you know, and, and they get worms out of me to get, you know, it's so, and this is the coffee that I'm serving to you. And, 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 it's, and it should be, you know, there's a team in behind it. And, and you know, it's not, it's not a coffee competition. And, and it's weird because I talk to judges and it's going kind of like back again into like, wait, wait, wait. It's not about a coffee competition. It's a barista competition. But then you're like, they're judging and they say like, oh, this is a geisha, amazing coffee. And it's like, well, like I'm, I'm waiting for one to be winning with a Robusta coffee. Cause yeah. you know, or like, or an India coffee, which I've tasted great coffee. You do, know, do like, you know, like I, I think like, and I, I went to the Brewers Cup uh, a few years ago and I, and I did a video, uh, a really bitter, a really bitter blog post about it. Cause I went with a Brazil Port Natural, Yellow Bourbon that I've been buying for 20 years from the same farm. Uh, I love this coffee. Like it is, it, it's a phenomenal coffee and I can give you the taste descriptors perfectly. So it is milk chocolate, it's got walnut, um, it's uh, white sugar, uh, it's smooth, balanced, fantastic. Sunday morning coffee, you don't have to think about, like nothing further away from geisha than, than you want. So yeah. I gave these descriptors and then I get these scores that are like, you know, sixes, sevens. And I'm like, but you, I hit all the descriptors. Why is it a six or a seven? Oh, well, you know, it just, it wasn't a geisha. No, it definitely wasn't a geisha. That was the whole idea of what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, but um, they, you know, they used it as, as a cupping sheet. And what's happened with the way that judging happens is most of the judges are experienced cuppers in some part of what they do. Or they've, they've been, you know, around cupping and they're very familiar with a cupping sheet and they look at the competition sheet as a cupping sheet which like the robusta it tastes of rubber um it tastes of bark it tastes of dirt um enjoy you know you should get you know sixes for your espresso you hit every descriptor and you delivered exactly what it is but nobody can do that um because of the way the competition's set up and like you know like i love football so for 
anybody else, Americans mainly, soccer. But like... No, it's football. It is football. It is football. But I'm English. I'm speaking English. It is football. Um, but in football, if you look at football 20 years ago, like so, so at the minute, because of the lockdown, they've shown a lot of the old games. So there's a lot of like looking back at stuff. And you look at football and... When you used to play? Yeah, pardon? When you used to play? Yeah, I, I still play a little occasionally. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, like the game is completely different because rules have been significantly changed. You know, like I was watching a game that from like, I think it's about 25 years ago where you could just pass it back to the goalkeeper and they'd pick it up. Yeah, you know, exactly. and then they showed a game from the 70s where offside didn't exist anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, these are fairly massive. And you look at the tackles and people are like clattering into oh, my arm. Yeah. My yeah. Whereas, whereas the barista competition, if you look at the rules, we, we can serve a different kind of milk drink. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. there's been no, no I... development in a major way of the competition. Um, so it's meant that it's kind of stagnated a little bit and everybody's had to try and push and break the rules. And we've kind of done as much of, it seems to be, I, I haven't seen so much recently that's made me think, sitting on a table was the latest one, that, uh, you know, breaking the rules. I don't think that was breaking the rules. You know, it was just a really cute part of the presentation. But it seems that's the kind of thing we're changing now more than, you know, like some of the, some of the you know, you look at some of the past performances and they, they were really kind of boundary pushing, you know, like, in. You know, I remember Cascara first turning up in your performance and nobody was really, there was, I, I tasted Cascara and I bought a little bit of it, but it wasn't really out there. And I think people just yeah. went, wow, that's that's really cool. Um, you know, looking to use all of the things from the farm in Alejandro's in 2011, where he was using yeah. coffee quite, you know, that was really pushing the boundaries. Whereas now, I don't know what else there is to do, so. But that, that's, that's my point, but I think it's because the rules that don't change. I mean, it's like, is the thing, and he's not criticizing for the people that invented or they are in charge of the barista competition. At all. They do, I mean, they do an amazing job. Maybe. And actually, if you look at the organization, it's not, it, it isn't Formula One. You know, this is a niche yeah. within a niche. It's a tiny, sure, tiny. Exactly. And, and uh, I need, and I understand that they need budget and money and all of that stuff and whatever. But, but one thing that I, I see a lot of the things is like, it doesn't change into like, the competition was invented to be something fun, like in the Aeropress competition, and then like all of this formal, and it's a platform to people, you know, to get get to know and work and stuff like that in people's chains lab, like mine or, or other baristas. But all another thing that happens is that it used to be the competition something that you will represent in your daily basis from a cafe, which that's impossible. Like today, like no one is gonna go like, hello, welcome to my cafe. Today we have three different options. Number one, and then you have like just want to give you a serviette, you know? It's <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's it's really hard. And if you do that, you're gonna be broken, you yeah. know. Or you know, you need to carry on with people to have quality at the same time into real life. So it's like you want to bend all of these rules, but it's but they don't change. They, they need to be drastical changes because I think that they've they've done trying to make it into a, a format that can fit. All around the world instead of like you know what we're gonna give the grinders we're gonna give the same machine these are this this and that and then all the geeky people going in but then the reality doesn't change 
I, I think one of the one of the most fundamental changes that I, I really really disagreed with though was the uh, having three people in the first round at the Worlds on stage at the same time. It so okay. I'm I'm the I'm the Guatemalan barista champion, you know, and like I've not got a hope in hell's chance of winning, you know. Yeah. I'm going. For, I'm going to go to London from Guatemala, and I'm going to do a competition. And if I don't make it through to the last six, which at the beginning of a competition, four of those names are already written in there because you know they're invested so much and they're so talented and they you know they understand the rules so well. So I, there's two places I might get, and actually I'm probably not going to because there's lots of other people ahead of me, and I don't get my chance to actually present to the world what I think about coffee because that's what I think the competition is primarily about it's about you as an individual representing your country and presenting your ideas on coffee and hoping that it resonates somewhere now maybe that's because of the people i've worked with in the past that's what they've always done is gone with some kind of message or some kind of idea yeah well, if, if i'm the kenyan barista champion or the guatemalan barista champion and i don't get a chance to present it what's the point you know, like what that that for me was the first the, the, the first round now is unwatchable unless you're watching on a stream at home. And the only people watching the stream at home at the minute are the family of the people who yeah, are performing and then they disappear. For um, me I, it was it was yeah, I agree with you, because it was basically what I thought is like I cannot tell what I think about this coffee, this presentation, this idea, this performance to someone else because they don't care, they don't have time in my cafe. But in this 15 minutes, I can say whatever the hell I want. Yeah. And sometimes those ideas were like, oh, this is really cool. I learned and that's people to get inspired. So I was, then, in Boston, like, I was in Boston this year, uh, or last year, sorry. Um, so I was emceeing, I did the, did the finals and stuff. And when I wasn't emceeing, I went back to my hotel and watched it on the street because I couldn't watch it in the, in the, the actual yeah. arena. And I took a photo, I got, I got my, my wrist slapped for it, but I took a photo and put it on Instagram. Cause like people used to watch this and there was one person watching three baristas and they weren't watching them. They were reading a magazine, sat in their seats. And, and, and I just, I just really worried that we've kind of, we got so het up in it being about the winner. Um, so whoever wins it, for them, it's massive, it's amazing, it's fantastic. But the, the other 59 don't get anything from it. Um, and, and we've took it away from the community aspect because that's what, you know, when we started talking about competition, going backstage, being amongst some people who are, you know, like live streaming was fairly new, 2006, 2007. Yeah. Like sitting there watching live streaming. Uh, talking, really hard, yeah. People like you would be on the USBC. Uh, watching the streaming and we'd be talking in the chat and like where's that gone well, well because we stopped making it a spectator thing and we made it about the winner and the sponsors yeah uh, didn't make it about the Guatemalan British champion the Kenyan British champion that uh, you know like all of these people that had their stage they had their 15 minutes of fame yeah. um literally i mean they're, they're still barista champions from their country and they even though they competed against six or 27 or 30 like they're barista champs and they're representing their country into the wc and and now a lot of people it's like i just saw the finals yeah you know and, and, and jessica who, from poland um i remember seeing her in seattle and um, she came 33rd um 
and uh, I was in, I, I obviously was around the competition the whole time. And I sat down, I was watching her presentation, one of the best barista presentations I've ever seen. Like I absolutely was just like, and I went up to her afterwards. I was just like, that blew my mind. Like what you did there was she she got a milk frother to froth the milk up, and she was really engaging and really smart. And and from that, I became friends with her, and we just like you know whenever we see each other, it was like we made that connection because I'd seen that first round. And then, you know, to see a win in Amsterdam was just phenomenal. You know, like I'd seen that journey of somebody kind of coming in and listen, she wasn't the most technically cleanest and smartest, but I'd seen the improvement. So I'd been invested in in her as a barista and, and seeing what she was doing. I can't say I've got the same now. I can't tell you anything about anybody now because you don't get that, you see that individual bit of brilliance that he's like, you're going to do really well in this competition in coming yeah. years, you know? It's, yeah, I know it's 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 complicated, but mm. we'll see how it goes. I mean, competition, it's a lot to talk and obviously they're doing a great job. It's a great platform and oh, stuff. Some, some of my best friends run that thing and, and they're, you know, they're amazing people and I'm so honored and uh, blessed to be involved in the MC and stuff like it's the highlight of my year. I'm, I'm devastated that I'm not going to be, you know, in Australia this year. Um, well, anyone's going to be in Exactly. But, you know, like just not being able to do that, it's like such a, become such a part of my life. Um, and I think they do an amazing job with what they have. Um, but it does feel like it's a time to kind of, uh, you know, I think when we come out of this whole lockdown situation and the virus thing, we're going to be in a very different world. Like things are going to have changed. Yeah. Um, I think it's a perfect opportunity for lots of things to change. Um, you know, and I, and I think this could be, you know, sponsors aren't going to have the money that they used to have at the end of this. You know, lots of businesses are going to suffer on the back of it. Um, you know, baristas, there's a lot of baristas at the minute that aren't working. You know, they're, they're sat at home, not working. And you know, also the national bodies as well, like they're going to be able to afford, like, you know, to pay tickets or like. Exactly, exactly. So I think, I think this is the perfect opportunity to kind of sit down and go, God, let's 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 reinvent this stuff. Let's do something fun yeah. with this, and and let's not make it about who can invest the most money, but who is the most talented uh, barista. But also, uh, I, I love the element of about being a like a, a leader for for the community. Ambassador. You know, be, be, being that kind of um, front face of copy is really good, and and that's where presentation and messages and all of those things are really important. Do you? We, we, we could talk about competition forever because I just end up like I'm so. Like, it's got 15, 16 years of my life in it where I'm just. I like, know, I know. I mean, and, and I think that, I mean, one of the things that we're talking about and we're going to talk about is how this COVID is going to influence all of the producers and stuff. But, and I mean, obviously, with well, the competition is one of the things that, that is going to affect. But going in through there, I think that it needs to be changed and that people, if you're listening to us, uh, it should be like changing some of the stuff and taking this time because sometimes you need a break and able to change things and you cannot do it because it's like an ongoing thing and this should be like a really good thing but and and also what you were saying an ambassador and this is going through uh you can throw shit at me as well but i mean what i'm gonna say but normally it should be an ambassador a leader and I don't know, but in between all of this, the barista champions, like obviously they're really good. Like you're an example to follow to a lot of baristas and inspirational. But at some point I feel, and I felt as well, when I won, I didn't know what the hell was gonna go with my life. Like I didn't have any clue. 
and at some point you there's a necessity of being a, a, a like a douche kind of like fun person to go uh, and this is because of immatureness or part of the fun of the I, I don't know famous you want to call it but at some point I think that that you you it's not that you lose yourself but The question is, do you think like like the barista champion doesn't have a, a like a line in between to know what to do? What is actually a barista champion or just like a person to be a geeky? I'm gonna drink with all the people. I'm gonna meet the, all the famous. I'm, you know, I'm the famous guy right now. Uh, obviously with the women, I think it's not like that, but before not to criticize everyone and everyone can throw uh, stuff at me. But at some point I felt that like this kind of like Uh, I don't know how to call it, but you know, empowering thing about saying what I want, doing what I want, and and forgetting about the real purpose about being an ambassador and a leader of coffee, uh, and exam setting example to different people and how to make things right. Uh, I don't know. Do you see that, or is is it? Yeah, something no, no, definitely. I, th I think I, I think every every champion kind of handles uh, that ambassador role differently. I think uh, I've you know. I, Kind of, I remember 2009, Gwillem, uh, after he was given the, given his prize, he just he, he was he never thought he was going to win in a million years. He'd gone 30 seconds over, like yeah. he you know he, he messed some stuff up, things didn't go how he'd expected to, and when he came back and was like, they want me to go to Origin. Who's going to move my boat? You know, like, yeah, he, was just, exactly. like he was not prepared for it. Yeah, but he was more than his boat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, but, but then Gwillem took it and actually I think was one of the strongest ambassadors because he became he so accessible. It, yeah. He yeah. was just there, you know, he was, he, he did lots of stuff. He was, you know, he was very involved and and uh, and still is today in training, you know, like he he took a, a route as his life took a route to really focus on, okay, I want, I want people to make better coffee. Like that's my, yeah. my and that was it. It was like, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Whereas, you know, you look at somebody like uh, Mike Phillips who won, took a really different kind of uh, route and equally as viable. But like he went and was like, I'm gonna make coffee cool. Like I'm gonna make people talk about coffee, like people talk about you know craft beer and wine and and so really came at it with a just just a a complete fresh enthusiasm. And that was in the space of 12 months. And, yeah. and what I'm worried about the last five years is that, that the individuality of the winner is, is disappearing a bit because you know they go on the origin trips with Ale and they you know they'll, they'll go and do some uh, judging of national barista competitions and, and, and you know listen it's a great opportunity to travel and see the world that's Dale has got so much from being able to be exposed to different cultures and you know like he went to origin for the first time since he you know after he won and uh, like so I, I get it but actually i love the individuality of some of the the previous winners who right you know you did something really different with it. alejandro kind of went and did his thing differently and you know like yeah really just individuals i don't i don't want a co cookie cutter of a champion i want it yeah. to be somebody that you know does something different has a message you know has something that You know, they, they want to change the world. But that, that's what I, that's what I'm going. Like, I mean, I'm not obviously, and everything is different. Like every time, like because at some point, I understand. So here's one thing that is that it's true, and it's like obviously you have to. It's one opportunity in a lifetime, and you have only 12 months or 11 or 10 
and depending on your lifestyle like you can bend it over in between if you have to make a business out of out of your name as well because it's it's part of it and but also like it's really hard to just make it a business or you want to help things or like you know it's it's complicated and 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 what you're saying and it's like i think that we need to be careful what i understand and what i learned it's like you're a barista champion even if you win or not you should be an ambassador and an example for other baristas and inspiration and able to change our specialty coffee world and not just a specialty but change the culture about drinking coffee and consumption um it's kind of like we started off like at the beginning of this conversation was about colin you know colin changed people's thoughts about coffee and if he didn't change them he made them stop and think about them and you, you your words were you know he's he's a barista champion in my and, and i i agree i think that there were lots of those in the early days and maybe, maybe we're just the old guys now sitting there going oh these young folk Probably. i'm scared to death that I am that person, uh, but I don't think I am because what I'm seeing is that the people aren't as engaged as they were either. So I, there's some fidelity to it, but yeah. you know, like yeah, that, that like Colin, Colin has got as much work, travelled the world, and seen things as any WBC champion. You know, on having that message and being that ambassador you know uh, and you know he's, he's written a very successful book on the back of it that's translated into many languages he's you know he, he, he's done lots of work with uh, espresso machine manufacturers and grinder manufacturers and so you know the, the opportunities are there if you are already that ambassador yeah exactly no i agree with you yeah. um i think that i mean things are going to be changed obviously it's also hard because there's now before there was like one barista champion there was only five there was only seven and it's like everybody wanted to reach one now there's 20 20 yeah 21 no 20 there would 20. have been 21 this year right yeah yeah, yeah right, 20. Carlo, 20 yeah now there are like 20 champions which is fine there's a lot of people and people obviously figured out different ways but you know, know being, being, being one of 20 in the world is is pretty 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 cool you know? Yeah, well, it is cool. So here we're on the halfway through of the podcast. Just as a quick reminder, guys, if you want to buy locally, from your roasters that will be an amazing idea because we need to support the roasters and the baristas and all of the shops and if you go want to go to hasbin.com and order some coffee online or 3fe on ireland or and drop coffee in uh, sweden you can go ahead and do that right now if you don't go online buy some coffee um, it's great opportunities if you come here in Guatemala do Paradigma Coffee Roasters and you will get served with a really good cup of coffee at home so you can continue listening to this podcast let's keep it on uh, it feels it feels really old stuff by the way <laughs> uh, well I mean and also like there's different things that you evolve like obviously like I spent four or five years of my life like competition brain and one of my you know and and now it's like more sourcing and exporting and understanding 
how the real coffee kind of like world works. Yeah. Uh, working with you in that sense, it, it's it's been one of the greatest things as well, and with different people. But understanding how actually source the coffee, how how really difficult is, and not just to buy coffee and people say like, oh, I'll do direct trade. You know, <laughs> it is freaking complicated, and there's a lot of hard stuff that people don't know or like importing. I remember, oh, I don't think when it was, oh it was God. like 2011, I think it was. And I did a blog post called Direct Trade Sucks. Um, <laughs> and Spudge picked up on it. Uh, and, uh, you know, 2011, Spudge was kind of on fire at that point. Yeah. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of interest. And I, um, I just got so much heat from it. Like just so much of like, oh, I don't get it. You don't understand it. And I was just like, this is like, no, you don't understand it. This is such a complex, difficult um, process. You know, it's about relationships and relationships are really difficult. I've got a relationship with uh, my fiance, Joanna, and I've got a relationship with my mom. And they're very different, <laughs> thank God. <Yeah. laughs> you know, but that, that, that's the same yeah. coffee producers and, and, and actually, coffee countries and different producers within those countries it's always different and direct trade is really hard work and it doesn't mean anything like it doesn't just i i, I can say well, I direct trade and pay a dollar people. a pound you know that's great or i could go to an importer that pays ten dollars a pound but actually i've it, i've heard yeah you know the, the, the guy that's getting the dollar could actually be making more money as well because it's 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 not just about price it's about yield it's about you know cost of production it's it's just so and just putting a badge on saying direct trade and it fixes it all is just so lazy we fell into the same trap that fair trade that we all said fair trade was terrible and sneered at um, but we fell into exactly the same trap in specialty by trying to find our own fair trade label in direct trade um, but the you know, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I was one of the persons like, oh, direct trade, it needs to be direct trade, which is fine. But direct trade, if you're doing direct trade, which is complicated, first of all, I've, I've heard from roasters. I've hosted, you know, roasters in, you know, different companies, and I've heard like a couple of them say like, well, I do direct trade. I was like, oh, but you're buying it from an importer. Yeah, but it's a direct, I mean, I use it because it's a direct relationship with the importer and I know the farmer. That's not direct trade, you know. Like, you know, I use I use the analogy of like um, in business. So, like, I I'm I'm not a businessman. I'm, I'm like uh, numbers. I, I get them. I understand them. I know they're important. But like, I wouldn't do my company's books, you know, because like that would not be my skill set. So I have an accountant. I, you know, I've got a CFO that does that, and they worry about all of the finance stuff, and they could report back and tell us when there's problems. That's great. And yes. it's like an importer sometimes can be that accountant. It can help your cash flow because you're paying as it arrives. And the most important thing actually is not about it being direct trade. It's about having a relationship with the person that's producing the coffee. Yes. So you exactly. understand their challenges and needs and you help them improve their product, but you also can react to like, like this, this COVID thing is the perfect, perfect way of explaining what, what I think is important in a coffee buying relationship. So I'm going to use Guatemala as the example. So in Guatemala, we have a relationship with a producer that we buy everything from his farm. We've encouraged him not to find another buyer for his coffee because we want exclusivity. We want to buy all of that coffee. 
Yeah. And then we've got another producer that has a couple of really big specialty coffee buyers buying from that farm who, who I know will have the same concern for that producer as I have for this one on his own. You know, and it's kind of like they, they will follow their obligations there. So I had to make that choice of like, you now because I know their situations and I have a personal relationship with them over many, many years, I knew what I had to do. And it was horrible. It was the, it's probably the worst decision I've ever had to make since being involved in coffee of saying somebody, we're not contracted, I can't buy it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I had to do that to protect the guy that I had got a contract with that I've been buying exclusively for the past six, seven years and told him, no, don't go and find another buyer. Like, if you buy another buyer, I'm not gonna be able to pay you the price I'm paying you now, unless the exclusivity gives us an added value. And in this time, it was like, had to make that call. And it's like, if I didn't have that personal relationship and understand their backgrounds, I, I, like, I could have just made the wrong choice, could have made the wrong decision. They're both direct trade. Both yeah, you know, <laughs> and just to be, and also, I think, I don't know, but you can also, you're listening, like you said, the second producer, he has a lot of like different buyers as well, so he probably has a little bit more opportunity to sell them to a different buyer who's like, Hey, I have some extra coffee, I have some extra coffee, and selling it. And you will not be affecting him directly instead of the first producer that you're buying everything, he'll be like, Oh my god, he's not gonna buy. Ah, ah, you know, freaking out and start, you know. I've actually had the flip happen to me this week in Kenya. So in Kenya, the the, the auction systems closed down. And like yeah. Everything has just closed and there was no, we're going to close in a few days. Halfway through the auction, the Department of Health came into the auction and said, you're closed. Halfway what? through. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So there's loads of producers there that were expected to sell some coffee in the auction or were expected, and I've had like, listen, there's so many contracts being ripped up. There's so many people not following through and honoring uh, stuff that's signed. And, and this guy's emailed me yesterday and said, Steve, I've got 40 bags of the Peabury that a US buyer normally buys, but if he's pulled out, can you help? Now I buy everything from him apart from this Peabury. And it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we can do that. We we can we can take that. So there are some occasions. Now again, it's knowing the situations because I've been to see Brian in Kenya. I was there last November. I go every year. Like love him to bits. I've actually I, I flew him to the UK for a few days um, to come and launch the book when I wrote it. And um, uh, he, he's like a really good friend. I know him super well. I know his situation, and I know that with the auction closed, with this buyer pulling out. He's got nowhere to sell that and actually really needs to sell those bags. And I'll find a home somewhere for them. I'll get them here and we'll, we'll, we'll work figure it out when yeah. it lands. So yeah. it, it, direct trade isn't the important part. Having a relationship and understanding the needs and wants and desires of your coffee producer is far more important. I agree with you. And, and there's a lot of things that people don't know that happens all the way through. Because I mean, even though that you're doing direct trade in a relationship, there's a lot of bumps and painting the ass that happens in between saying to the relationship, you know, to the producer, I'm going to buy your coffee. Perfect. This is the price. This is, you know, all of the arrangements, contracts, whatever. And then in that getting it there, it's another pain in terms of like making sure that the coffee arrives well from their warehouse in the farm to the mill, making it sure that someone in the mill doesn't change it. 
making sure that the, the sourcing and the grading and the screening is right and making sure that, you know, the mixing of the lots, they don't mix it, that they, you know, the license, the, you know, all of this stuff that an import can help you to do that. And directly listen, as well, I think, I think the other thing is that, that this isn't just a one way street where the roasters are in the key position and uh that you know that that it's it's poor farmers you know like that we're taking advantage of i when alejandro won in 2011 the coffee that we were using like it blew that coffee into the stratosphere everybody wanted to buy from this guy and i was buying everything from the farm and it turned like we ended up that following year we didn't get that coffee because i i got outbid like I like, like so I, I spent all of that money and time building that relationship and promoting that coffee and to the point of you know giving it to Alejandro and saying like let's put this on a world stage we got on the world stage everybody wants to buy it I lost the relationship yeah and it kind of fell apart now the beautiful thing is we because we'd met many times every Christmas I'd send him a Christmas card and I'd give him a, drop him a text on his birthday and and when that euphoria disappeared and the buyer disappeared, he came back and was like, Steve, I'm in trouble, what do I do? And it's like, we'll take it back. Like, let's, you know, let, let's let's sort it, let's make this fixed. So, and now, every every year that I go, he's like, Steve, you know I'm never gonna, like, I, I'd much rather- I'm never gonna let you go. Well, it's like, listen, it came down to price and I knew what the market price of that coffee was and it was as much as I could pay. I couldn't pay anymore. Now, for a couple of years, you can on the back of a reputation, but actually, you know, we're, we're paying five dollars a pound for that coffee. You know, it's like it's not, it's not like we're, you know, doing a tough deal uh, on it. Yeah. Um, and but it can, sometimes you can get more. Sometimes you can because he's an exceptional producer that you know does a really good job. But like, um, he understands the value of the longer term relationship is stability. And that's what I always try and bring into any relationship I have with somebody. It's like, I've, I've got producers I've been working with since 2003 when I started, and I'm still working with them today. And you know, they're, they're, it's really important for me for the long term, not for, oh, that's shiny and nice over there. Let me buy that instead of buying what I've always bought. It, 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 relationships, you know? There's some relationships, they don't work. Sometimes you just don't click, you don't get on. Yeah. I, I've had producers in the past that I've, you know, I really love their coffee, but I didn't get on with them, and it didn't work for me. Um, it, it, your coffee can be amazing, but if you, you know, if I don't agree with the way that you, you know, treat the people who work with you, or the way that you do things, or the way that you treat me as a buyer, then it, then it's not going to work. Yeah, it's amazing, but actually, I need to like I, you, and you need to yeah. respect. We need to have mutual respect for each other. For sure, I agree. I totally agree. And, and uh, what do you think, like, there's another stuff, I'm gonna to talk to Scott Connery, do you know him? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yes. It's another uh, many a side. drunken moment in a barista party with Scott. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Columbia. Anyway, um, Bogota. Uh, yeah. He was also, he in, I, was, I was at the Roasters Championship in uh, Rimini uh, last year, uh, yeah. the year before and uh, spent a lot of time with him uh, during that one so yeah no he's a good guy scott really good guy he's 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 an amazing guy we're gonna be having a talk to probably tomorrow or i don't know sunday about cup of excellence and 
because you were saying about you know the auctions and all of that stuff and right now a lot of people like here in Guatemala they were preparing their coffees and saving them you know for auctions and COE and probably it's not going to happen um, and it's like uh, now what, what do we do and like talking about like how actually is affecting everything like for me it's like you know the word out there it's like buy local right like buy online buy local still buy coffee and I will I mean and it's hard to say but for me it's a it's an if you support your baristas or your local roaster like they're gonna have money to pay the baristas and they're gonna be able to sell coffee so the roaster is gonna be able to buy coffee from the producers yeah but if you only it's not it's here's it I don't know if your thoughts here but here's like a lot of people always are like oh we need to protect the producer and we only need to protect the producer but if you don't protect the baristas and the roaster yeah. there's no gonna be any producer you know at all so it's like right now it's like to take care of our baristas and our local markets as well listen all of those tough decisions that i've, I've, I've had to take and and like you know coffee that wasn't like if listen if we had a contract and it was signed i've honored every single contract that we signed like every single one um but there were expectations from others you know that we, that's what we do we turn up we taste them like i literally you know i said at the beginning we came back three and a half weeks ago from the centrals you know and came back to a different world um and and the decisions i've made is about them surviving but actually it's about my businesses surviving too because what i want to be able to do is after this go back to the ones that we hadn't signed contracts with, get them stinking drunk, drunk and tell them how sorry I am, and like let's work with contracts from now on. Like yeah. let let's let's do something that gives you that stability. Um, you know that we can both yeah. know exactly where we are um, because this is a once in a lifetime. Like, yeah. this, this is a reset uh, for all of us. It's once in a lifetime. Let's take this opportunity to learn from it and see what we can do to make sure that we're, we're all protected. But if I just went to those producers and said, yeah, no, send the copy anyway. I know we kind of, we said that we might do, so let, let, let's bring it. My business could go out, I could go out of business and I'm not buying coffee from any of my producers anymore. Um, yeah. And, and now that's, that is the realities of it. We don't know how long it's going to go on for. We don't know the true impact. We won't know that impact for 18 months, two years. Yeah, um, and we don't know- all in survival mode. Um, yeah, and it's about just making sure that the people who can't survive are looked after, and the people who can survive, we fix it later. Like you know, we we come out the other side and we make sure that this doesn't happen again. There's there's a kind of like one last subject, but there's a lot of like the things that I've been saying and I've been talking to with different exports, which they have been in the market for a long time. And obviously, when you buy coffee, and for people that know don't know how to buy coffee, there's different ways of buying. One of the micro lot situation or the specialty coffee, normally it's a fixed price when you tell the producer this is the price, and we agree on this, and depending on the quality cup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the other one, it's by the C market on the differential. And I know there's a lot of people that say like, oh, that sucks and we don't buy that because it's not a specialty. I know a lot of people that are specialty and they buy from the C market and differential because that's the way that the coffee's been to be trade since from before, right? And um, now I'm looking at it like a lot of people are like, because of the small groceries, normally buys the micro lots and the specialty coffee, they're not buying coffee 
the coffees that are blender type or commercial, if you want to call it, they're popping up a little bit more. Yeah. And it's like, do you, you know, do you see this like changing? Like, what do you see here? Because I mean, specialty coffee, obviously always going to be, I, I've talked to this exporter and he was telling me like, you know what, from the old guys, they're saying like, you know, specialty coffee is a, is a risky, uh, it's a risky business because, you know, if, if people, the specialty coffee disappears or the roaster disappears, like he told me this three months ago, four months ago, COVID was not existent, you know, you know, they're not going to buy it, but the, you know, the fix the market always, you're going to be able to buy. And I was like, no, I mean, what are you talking about? And COVID came down and it was Batman's fault, but you know, like, it's a wonder of what's going to happen with, I mean, I'm not saying specialty coffee is going to disappear. It's not, um, but what, what top decisions, like you say, is going to, you know, you have to make, I mean, I have to make prices are going to go up for specialty. The specialty coffees are not going to be able to be, get bought. Um, uh, people for surviving, they're going to be buying a little bit more, I don't know, 83, 84 coffees, you know, I think, I think I think from from a UK perspective, so kind of being being here, you know, and being in the middle middle of the the, the the coffee part here is that if you go into a local supermarket anywhere in the country, the shelves have been stripped. People are still drinking coffee. Yeah, so, exactly. But, but the problem is, is they're not drinking them in my two cafes in London or my five cafes in Dublin. You know, yeah. they're, you know, they they're drinking them at home and they've made a decision that actually quality isn't as important to them in this time accessibility is so yeah. and um, budget wise as well yeah so um coffee will still get sold like there, there's going to be and that's why we see in the market do what it is is you know there's a lot of the bigger roasters are scrambling around for coffee like they, they, there isn't enough and you know we're going to see some of that specialty um go into there i think when we come out of this the other side <clears throat> there is going to be like we, you know, we're still paying rent on those cafes that have got nobody in there. You know, we're still paying some of the staff there. You know, to to kind of still make things tick over. You know, we've still got costs. Um, so when we come out the other side, there's going to be real looks at, okay, to make this sustainable, where can we save money? What can we do? And I, I worry. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to fight as much as I can, but you know, as I said to you, it's about a team and you yeah. know, I'm the coffee guy and there's the finance guy, there's going to be a pressure to, okay, well, what, what can we do? And we were already as a whole industry of specialty, not paying enough. Maybe, yeah. like, maybe the reset comes that we have to differentiate ourselves more from Starbucks and you know, all of the, the, the big commercial brands in specialty. And actually make it a specialty um, experience. So we need this could be our opportunity to go. Do you know what specialty coffee in the cafe? It isn't the same price as you'd pay in Starbucks or McDonald's. But actually, it isn't going to be the same experience either. It's going yeah, to. Be exactly. But we, we've got so het up in that's the way that we do a cafe. You know, whenever you do your pricing, you might do them. You know, twenty cents above what the uh, you know the commercial roasters doing, but they've got huge economies of scale and lots of intelligent, smart marketing and business people. And quite often, specialty shops are, you know, one man and his dog. Um, so I think there, there could be it can go 
lots of ways. My, my hope is that this is over quickly, that cafes start to open up again, um, and that we, you know, this is a this is a blip, um, and that roasters have honoured uh, the contracts that they've, they've signed with producers, so the trust is strengthened. Um, you know, there could be a reset the next year. It's like, okay, you need to help us out this next year because we lost three, six months of trading. Yeah, but like next year, we'll come back with a better, you know, so it's, it's going to be about re renegotiating where, who who needs the help where at what point. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, we want to make sure that the baristas are still looked after. <coughs> I've got roasters that I want to look after, you know, I, but I've got producers I want to look at. It's like it's trying to look after everybody. Yeah. And that's sometimes compromising somewhere um, to make it better for the long term. Um, I, and I hope it, it is like that. I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes some producers, obviously the one that you have a relationship with is going to work and some producers that they don't see that. All the things, that, because I know some some farmers in Weiwei or some, someone that are on the top of the hill that are not looking all of what really is happening in the world, they're going to be like, well, I sold it last year for this price. I want the same price or more from this, you know, because they're always expecting to the copy from the sea market to be better. And, you know, so it's- obviously It's funny though, Raleigh, it circles back to exactly how we started talking about, about this and it's about the relationship that you have. So I, I'm getting regular phone calls from lots of the people I buy from, like really worried, how are you? Is everything okay? Because they, they you know, they've got that more global view that, listen, Europe's been slapped. Like Europe has been, really hard hit you know, next it's yeah. the us um, yeah. you know but like here it's been it's it, you know spain italy um uk has been really hit hard um and because of the relationship we're communicating we're talking and and, and honestly this is the other thing is you know you can't can't dress it up you know it's it's like no like nine coffee shops closed down that are all having to be paid rent and you know electricity costs and rates costs and all of these things and you know yeah the government's helping a little with some things but not everything you know and it's and, it, and it's difficult and then that honesty and that constant conversation means that when we do come round to next year they're fully briefed already they know exactly uh, where i'm sitting and where i'm at um and and you know Zoom. I'm doing lots of these zooms with with the producers. I'm doing like weekly emails, just kind of giving them updates um, and and just giving them confidence that we we're going to do what we do. And it just comes back to the relationship. I think the key, yeah, I, I agree. So the key point for everything is to maintain relationship. Talk to your producers. Talk to your roasters. Talk to your importers. Talk to like. I mean, I think that everyone needs to have. If you have communication before, like you have to be 300 times more communication and, and let them know like what's going on because everyone's going through the same situation and no one knows no one has an answer no one knows what's going to happen uh, but i think sticking together and believing that it being positive and having another idea as a reset button is going to be the best thing to do i, I think it's also like what, one thing that was most important to me is as soon as i so as soon as i got back and this lockdown situation kind of happened it was literally that night I, I, you know, I, it was, I just sat there all night pulling the numbers apart. What, what are we going to have to rejig here? What are we going to have to do? Who am I going to have to talk to? And actually communicating really early on. So, like, the, if if I say to a producer in Guatemala now, I, I'm not going to buy you coffee. They've got an opportunity to find somewhere else for it. If I come back in August because I'm 
hoping that we might open next week so it'll be okay. Yeah. Like, that's the worst. You know, it's like, it's actually just facing the problem in front of you and going, nope, just, just so your head's up. Uh, and you, you were involved in one of the, the conversations about it, you know, with, with, with somebody we both know. And, and as soon as I saw this and I knew that that was going to happen, it was like, find somewhere for it. Go, go, go look for another buyer. I, I need to tell you that. Now, if we come out in two weeks' time and everything's fixed, I'm going to be straight on the phone going, do you still have it? You know, like that, that's that, that, that's the point we'll be at. He's like, can, can, we, yeah. can we do something? But giving them the opportunity to sell it now is far better than going into August and leaving them with coffee when everybody's shipped their boxes and nobody's got any space. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not there. One thing is, no, I agree with you. And, and one, one of the other things that I, that I, people are afraid here and there's like an importing roasting, but more like you're an importer, of course. It's like Central America right now is the harvest time. Right now you normally will buy Central Americas, right? Yeah. When will be the time that you will be buying Colombia's, Ethiopia's around August? Ethiopia's is in the next kind of six weeks or so. Um, and and uh, Colombia's kind of tend to be an all, all year round thing. So, yeah. You but, know, but like, you know, yeah, Ken, Kenya's, Kenya's are around about now. The will be around. But I, the, the, one, the, the ones that I think are really going to be. So, we've honored all of the contracts that we've got for Centrals. The next ones are Ethiopians and Brazils and Bolivia. So they're all coming in the next two, three months. And they're the ones that I think we're going to have to adjust because we don't have co we, we don't have any fixed contracts. Do we have any fixed contracts? No, no fixed contracts in any of those three. We have a, a you know, a, a rolling, this is what we need this year and all the rest of it. And because we have got a lot of coffee, like we've got more coffee than we need, um, if we, with the contracts that we've got, if this goes on for longer than six, eight weeks from here, we're going to have too much coffee. Um, so that's where the reset in the is going to come. Is going to be like, you know, those two boxes of Bolivia we bought, it'd be one. You know, those yeah. three boxes of Ethiopia we bought, four boxes of Ethiopia bought, it's going to be one too. Uh, that's and that's what I was going to do my question because I think there's going to be the two different things of setting and people are worried of course here and everyone else and it's like right now like you for example I fulfill my contracts in my centrals and then I because we have a lot of coffee we're not selling right now we're gonna have a lot more and then we have to reduce from the ones that are coming up in this case let's say South America yeah. or it's gonna be the opposite way it's like when I reopen it's like let's say the United States or the US or Europe, when I open, I don't have yet my contracts or whatever copies. It's like, um, Guatemala is getting a little bit old or Salvador or Costa Rica or whatever, yeah. but Brazil and Colombia's and, you know, South American coffees are getting, it's the time to buying. So I rather buy South America's and not buy Central's yeah. or I'll keep the Central's and not buy that enough, and you know. So I think that's kind of the things that are. I, well, I think I think the big thing that's going to happen is when we are not just going to wake up tomorrow morning and everybody says we're open, hooray, yeah. and we're going to go back to exactly the same level. No, no, no. There's going to be a very slow recovery. It's going to be a very slow coming out of these restrictions. And and my personal opinion is that this is not the first lockdown we will have in in this whole thing. So I think we will come out in the next six, four to six weeks. Like we'll start going out more, things will start opening up. I think when winter comes, 
and if we don't have a, a vaccine uh, or a better way of dealing with this, I think there could be other lockdowns and other lockdowns. So this this could affect the next two. You know, a vaccine takes 18 months, two years to develop. Uh, yeah. And they've got, uh, at the minute, the World Health Organization has got 50 uh, possible vaccines. That, but that takes six, 12 months of testing. So exactly. I, I, I think it's a, real, it's a real issue. Like, would I sign a contract now for Central America for next year? Probably not. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. like being honest, like, and, and, and just because I don't know what the world looks like then. So all of those people that, you know, it's a new contract every year. What we normally do is the harvest arrives. We'll sit down, we'll discuss the contract and we'll sign it, you know, in September, October and, you know, then deliver in February, March. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, this is it. We just don't know. Um, and that survival thing is it, it's about everybody surviving now it could be that they get a better offer from somebody else and I miss out on some copies too that could you know it could be really bad but I think what we've got to try and do is convince everybody who's sitting at home listening to this um, you know not to go to the supermarket and buy the easy one but to support local to go to yeah. you know their local roasters to go to somebody that delivers on you know online um, you know and when we do come out I can't wait to go into a coffee shop and order a cappuccino like I cannot oh, wait yeah. it's going to be so up. dope like it's going to be great um, and that's what we all have to do is we, yeah. we need to just when we can go we've got a lot of catching up to do yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Hopefully is going to get finished sooner than later. And it's just about support, support. And I think everyone is needs to be understanding that it's a hard time for everyone and support everyone. I, like, I, I, I'm not one of those guys that is uh, an emotionally type. Uh, I like to think of myself as a roughy tufty man. But like, I, I've just had probably the worst three weeks of my professional life. And... There's a few times that like, I've come off calls and like I just cried. Like it's just it, it's like telling people that you know you're not gonna be able to. One one producer I've worked with for 17 years. You know we're not gonna be able to work with this year. Um, now again they're fine. They're gonna be okay. Um, but it, it hurts. It really you know if you take your relationship seriously it hurts and, and it's just it's really hard and it's but i also it's hard for everybody it's like yeah you know like yeah everybody you talk to is in exactly the same position um you know yeah and when we get out of it we've got a lot of fixing to do and uh um a lot of making it better yeah i i, I mean it's gonna be a whole reset button and fix uh but it's good to have relationships and good to be trustful and to be supportive. And we have to have new ideas and ways to be bringing up business for everyone and supporting baristas and stuff. So, yeah. Well, you um, think about how, how much this is costing the world's economies, you know, we're going to go into a recession from this, you know, the, the, the whole world will be in a lot of debt. Um, and that's going to mean that we need to pay more taxes. Um, so this is the opportunity that everything is going to get more expensive. <clears throat> specialty coffee is amazing like it's one of the best you know we, we, we're having a really really special coffee is one of the best treats you can have 
maybe we just need to charge a bit more for it so we can make sure the yeah. chain is looked after. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not COVID. No worries. Ha ha ha. Oh, there you go. Bye. We're keeping two meters apart here, aren't we? Well, yeah, it's like five meters. There you go. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, um, I, I think that we need to do another session from this. Uh, yeah. And, and going for a lot of subjects and see probably in one month or two months how everything's changing up. Um, I'm going to have to talk to you twice. Jeez, it's hard. Well, first of all, I'm going to talk to Joanna and then, you know, I'm going to ask her and then, you know, I'll take it from there. She's much smarter than me. You definitely, you should have really kind of started with that one, to be honest. Um, I, it's going to be really interesting to see, like, two different perspectives and, and looking at different Sweden is a really, really interesting one. Is They're one of the only countries that isn't in lockdown. I, it's amazing. I, I see her as a barista and everything's like yeah. working. Our out. cafe is still open. Um, and yeah, but they're just taking a different approach. Um, so there's two approaches to, to dealing with it is lockdown or herd immunity. So herd yeah. immunity is everybody gets it, but kind of gets uh, resistance to it. Um, so it disappears that way. Um, it, that's what the UK was doing up until two days after I got home. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, you know, but they, they're, they're not seeing the spike in numbers that everybody else did. Um, and hopefully and she, they don't she will, see it. She will talk much more uh, intelligently about it than, than I do. And she's, she has some really good ideas on why it's different there. Um, but it's still, the people are still self-isolating. So, you know, the cafe, we've had to let uh, eight of our 10 staff go. Um, you know, we're then to two staff in the cafe uh, because nobody's coming in because everybody's self-isolating. But yeah, you're still open. Um, I mean, there's a lot of positive and negative things, but I mean, at the long term, it's it's good that they don't be in a thing. Hopefully, they don't see you know big numbers. Yeah, but uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, but it's gonna be fun just to talk to her and see how how important things it is. But yeah, um, no, I'm always I'm always happy to uh, happy to talk. So uh, you, you let me know. Don't send me a message on Instagram though. Like, who, who responds to, to messages on Instagram? No, but the thing is, like, I forget about it, and it's like if I don't text you in the moment, I just like do something else. I've only just started using WhatsApp. Come on. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing. Like, I I saw something from James, and I was like, wrote to him, and then it's like he's not gonna read this shit. No. And then I saw it, I, I wrote, you know, I wrote it from the roastery and then I was like, I texted him from mine and I was like, why the hell am I doing this? And obviously he didn't respond probably, but you know, but it was, yeah, Instagram is, is yeah, it's the worst tool to be talking about it. And do you know what, like, it's so weird in this, this whole lockdown thing that I, I've actually stopped looking at Instagram and Twitter and things. It's just like, just, yeah, it, it's, I just haven't had the time. Um, because everything has been so crazy, but yeah. I'm kind of over the hump of it all now. So I'm <clears throat> everything's kind of been tidied up and sorted and, 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 and organised. So uh, I'm hoping next week I might start getting back into the social media a little more. But it's, it's, really really it's really weird. It's really weird because I mean, it feels like like obviously we have to be locked down at home, and it feels like you will be having more time. And fuck, it feels like do you have less time at some point, or you just 
you know, it's weird. Like, it's, do you know the problem is, is that I, I, so I'm sat in my home office and I work from home a lot anyway. So that's that's pretty much a lot of my job is working from home because I can do it anywhere. Yeah. Um, um, I'm coming in at 7 a.m. Then Central America wakes up, at, you know, like uh, two, three o'clock. So I start getting the stuff from Central America come through then. Um, and then New Zealand wakes up um, at about six, seven o'clock. So because I've also got New Zealand work to do as well, I can literally be sat in this chair for 13, 14 hours. And, I, and they have been 13, 14 hour days because there's been so much work to deal with and so many problems to try and resolve. Yeah, the, initially it's like, do we keep the cafes open? Do we close them? And we close them, then the government told us we've got to close them. Then we were like, what do we do with the staff? You know, and then the government came, gave us a, like a support package to try and help with some of the salaries. So we were looking, we were gonna have to lay people off. And then this thing came through where we could keep them and retain them. Uh, so they still got some salary, um, but could stay at home. Uh, you know, and then after that all happened, it was like, oh God, like we've got so many more things to sort. Yeah. But it, it does feel like it's kind of coming under a little bit more control now. And uh, yeah, hopefully enjoy this Easter holiday weekend that we're, we're, we're in, in the beginning of. Oh, sure. Thank you. You too. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to yeah. be good. And then this is, this is what I keep telling myself. At the beginning, I was like, this is terrible. But actually, it's going to be good. Like, tomorrow's going to be better. And the next day is going to be better. And we're yeah. going to have more clarity. And we're going to get there. And that's what we do as a human race is we... We get over we get through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Generations before us have gone through wars and well, famines and disease and they got they got through we, we're gonna have to get through it's just new for us because we've been yeah we've been really it's lucky and unexpected for sure and you don't know how to react at the beginning but then it works so yeah yeah <clears throat> steven thanks a lot for being in this coffee paradigm podcast no thank you for the thank you for the invite and thank you to all the people who managed to keep on listening for this long it's uh it's, it's kind of just like eavesdropping on one of our normal phone calls really isn't it <laughs> yeah exactly it's gonna yeah. be one person actually and it's gonna be just like listening so <laughs> oh, no, thank you and say always happy to come back and uh great that you're pushing some content out there at these times it's uh there's not a lot else to do so Fine. we need something to, to keep us coffee focused yeah, exactly. I agree. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll keep you posted and see more. If you people want to hear more about Stephen Layton and some of the things, if you want to support him in ordering online, go to your website and Haspin and drop coffee and three a fee. They do a lot of great job. Ozen as well. They're doing online selling. Support them. Buy local.